0: Essential form of thinking. It changes the way we view the world and the way we view our own homes. That's why we're here. We're here to investigate the stories in our own backyards, talk to the people who live here, and work here, volunteer here, love here, restore here, all so that we can travel back outside a place and see it from a different perspective again. That's what we're doing today. I'm Abby Newhouse, and I'm Melissa Wade and we're here unpacking what we've seen and experienced over the last few weeks.
1: So, so Melissa, we have come to the end of season one of We're Here. But before we can get to all of that, we still need to kind of unpack what we learned in our most recent three episodes. Colts, so we traveled to Pennsylvania, went and saw America's oldest doomsday cult, like a little cave. And we talked about
0: loneliness and manufactured community. And then we left the cave. <laughs> we swam to the waters of the Chesapeake Bay we discovered that there are carbon stores there that are being replanted, they're being protected. We had um, some interesting discussions about what it means to go green. And then when we left the Chesapeake
1: Bay, we went over to Tennessee and took a look at America's um, red wolf population that is quite endangered and how their disappearance would affect the ecosystems around them. And then kind of tied that into our own bodies' ecosystems and how they can also be thrown off and just kind of how one thing in both inside and outside of us can change everything. Looking back, I feel like The other kind of sets of episodes maybe had through lines that felt a little bit more obvious. and this one, I'm still kind of reflecting on like um, shared common themes for all of these different places and subjects. And to me, one of the things that I came up with is just kind of like our failed attempts to fix something you know failure in that sense is not exactly a bad thing it's just part of the process in the first episode we talked about loneliness and kind of how to fix that and how maybe cults and cultish societies aren't quite the way to do it even though it feels like a temporary hiatus from loneliness and then blue carbons we talked about how we can fix this you know global issue of a warming planet and how companies you know, are putting out a lot of carbon, but then try to fix it by buying these offsets, which in my mind just equals out, right? And again, I come back to Chris Patrick when he said that it's just, just one aspect of a multi-pronged system to fight climate change, um, which of course he's correct about. The last attempt to fix a system is our kind of broken ecosystems. A bunch of different aspects go into why we have endangered species, why our bodies are kind of messed up, and we try a bunch of different solutions to try to fix these things. And a lot of them lead to more human error and just another process of trying to make everything work again. So that's one of my themes. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I like, I like that you used the word manufactured when you were first talking about like how we manufacture community. And how humans can also try to manufacture, you know, fixes for greenhouse gas emissions and and we manufacture new natural environments for animals that are endangered to attempt to thrive in again. And it, it reminds me of I'm currently helping a student with his college application essays, and he wants to study engineering and medicine and the environment, and he has all these interests, and so Um, His essays usually come down to this passionate stance about how I want to be someone who investigates a problem in our world and determines how to fix it with my engineering background. And like, while I'm reading his essays, I'm like, look at this kid, he's so passionate. But now thinking about it tied to this theme that we've just kind of developed, I can see that human dare I say, arrogance, that we have the ability, sorry, student, um, that we have the ability to fix everything if we could just study it enough, investigate it enough, you know, find the right engineer, find the right savant, the right genius who can come up with a way to save our planet, save the damage that we've done, save this species from extinction. But it doesn't always happen. Species have already gone extinct and they're not coming back and we have caused irreparable damage you know to our planet that is not fixable um and there have been attempts towards solving problems of loneliness that end up hurting people so i think one theme that i we were wrestling with with these last three episodes that made our episodes maybe not as cut and dry as like Here's an environmental problem. Here's what's being done. Is, is that the right doing, right? Are we doing in a way that is just an attempt to undo what we've already done? Are we doing in a way that is actually beneficial? Is our doing also causing issues and problems? And I think that's the thing that kind of pushes this podcast forward sometimes is that we don't just say, you know, like, believe this or this is true about the environment or you need to follow this natural organization we're just like we don't know <laughs> we're trying things people are trying things things are happening and here's some pros here's some cons and
1: totally it feels like we're all just kind of experimenting like and like you said like this podcast as well like we're just two people who are really interested in what's going on in our own backyards. I I liked when Marin said in the most recent Ecosystem podcast, she said that like the difference between a scientist and just like a regular person is that scientists write things down. And I don't know, it kind of felt, I'm not, I'm not saying we're scientists by any means, but I am saying like being able to write it down and kind of reflect on these experiences and what's kind of happening in the world, yeah, has made me question even further our place in it which is like (laughs) I don't know (laughs) too existential probably I mean human ingenuity has solved a lot of problems over however long we've existed you know and we've created a lot of great things and like right now we're at a very pivotal point in our existence but it does I think it's important to point out that there's still hope because of these great thinkers out there this this
0: student of yours maybe he will solve everything (laughs) we need that youthful passion we need that youthful idealism because if we didn't have it then and all of us were cynical then no one would do anything and we know that doesn't work i mean we've met so many great people who are doing good they're doing good they're doing good just talking about their own loneliness because yes a scientist writes things down but I think a true thinker discusses it back and forth with other people sharing their ideas in a way that doesn't say I know everything I have the answers but allows for questions and considerations and even their own you know, admissions that they don't know everything. Like at times I am cynical, at times I am over idealistic. And I look at the world and I see it in both ways. There isn't only bad and only good when it comes to experimenting and how we can
1: like save the earth, right? The experiments are good and hopefully they don't make the problem worse.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're only staying within your insular bubble, you're not going out there and seeing these things, you're missing out. Like, I think that is one thing that we have had the opportunity to do that maybe our listeners haven't. And we try to bring them with us as much as we can. But I mean, we saw coal refuse. Like, you picked seed pods off <laughs> of aquatic vegetation. <laughs> I saw the red wolves. Like, we we were there. And that, that creates the ability to be innovative and see things beyond just two possibilities there's that there's that experiment it's called the dunker problem and it's like this really difficult problem where you're given a box and some pins and a book of matches and a waxy candle and your whole goal is to attach the candle to a piece of cork on the wall with only those things with just the matches a few pins and a cardboard box and nearly everyone in this experiment who faced this problem they tried two different strategies and both strategies fail <laughs> and so then they just kind of give up and so they're stuck in this idea that that's all that should exist two strategies if i can't get it i'm done but 25 percent of people often those who have recently traveled who actually come at the problem from a different angle find a more innovative solution Those students who have lived abroad are more likely to do better. Those people who have seen a different culture, seen a different way of living, acting, interacting. They're more likely to figure out this problem because they have avenues of thinking that are innovative and that aren't stuck in a dual system of two possibilities.
1: Yeah, definitely. My circle is so much bigger than I ever thought that it was. Like, there's so many more things to learn and to understand. And so many of them are, like, smaller than you'd even imagine. But they're there and they're happening and they're important. And it kind of reminds me of, like, (laughs) excuse me while I bring up a dichotomy here. Like, going traveling somewhere and doing touristy things versus going off the beaten path. It feels like what we did here was go off the beaten path and become like what I've always wanted from travel to like kind of get more into a community and understand what they're up to, what they're doing and what's important from that instead of just like going to a castle, which that's cool, whatever. But like what's happening with the people? What are the people up to? What are we discovering? What new things are we adding to the world? Like that's that's the exciting part. And then understanding that you yourself can also be one of those people adding more, expanding that circle and, and just doing, you know, making more of a difference that way. I think that 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 really stood out to me because I don't know for so long, I've just kind of viewed my world as very small and it doesn't have to be.
0: Yeah. I think I've realized that traveling should be a form of questioning, not answering traveling with this podcast going and visiting people, meeting people, and being a journalist by nature is asking questions. So every time we went somewhere, we went with a giant question mark above our head. It wasn't like, we went in thinking, this is what we're gonna see and we need to check the boxes. It was like, we went in with a list of questions that were intelligent, but (laughs) hopefully, but also we went in in order to find and discover
1: yeah, you need to go into a new situation or meeting a new person, just curious what you can find out, not already having this idea in your head And honestly, travel wise, that sets me up for disappointment every time, like thinking I'm going to go see this castle and I'm going to have this romantic experience and blah 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 it's like, it's never as you know, we, we can come up with these fantasies in our heads and such, like I'd rather just go somewhere and just completely be taken by surprise, like of course you have to plan itineraries and stuff and like figure out where things are but I don't know just let yourself see what else there is besides the little pictures on on a google search or whatever
0: one of the other things that I would hope our listeners take away from our travels and that I take away from the travels is that small places matter too you don't only have to go to Paris like so we went to a cemetery um that was one of our episodes, and and other people might think a travel podcast that goes to a cemetery, um, how lame. We went to a mountain of trash. We went to an island that was sinking. Like, I think that the takeaway is not aesthetic, but it's more really? philosophical, and I think that I think I value that more now than just. I want to go somewhere that's aesthetically pleasing and cool. Definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like we want to just go see how these people are also dealing with existential threats. (laughs) Because we're in a very specific place where we live that is dealing with it in a very specific way. But everybody has their own threats and challenges. And it's just interesting to see how they all deal with it and what what they're still loving, what they're still fearing, you know in these places but again I don't want to create that false dichotomy obviously if you want to go see the Eiffel Tower go see the Eiffel Tower do it whatever just maybe go off the beaten path while you're in Paris too Okay, so we have mentioned several times we are two gals that are dummies.
0: How else would you describe us? (laughs) How else would you describe us? Thanks. Um, We're just humans, Abby Gs. You don't have to call us dummies.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We're just, we're trying our best. But guess what? We're going to fail too, just like we're talking about all the other humans in the world. and it's all part of the process. And so bringing that up because we have a few things we'd like to acknowledge um, for a few of our past episodes. So,
0: yeah, so the first blender is all mine. Um, what can I say? I like a good acronym. Um, and when we were talking to Chris Patrick out of Sims, I thought since, hey, we're calling things SIMS, we're calling things by their acronyms. I just kept saying SAV, S-A-V, which stands for sub-aquatic vegetation. Um, not supposed to say SAV. <laughs> That's just Melissa's fun little trick. Um, but yeah, <laughs> S-A-V for all of the scientists, biologists. Um, really
1: S-A-V, everyone.
0: Melissa? Right. It's all right. You
1: did your best. (laughs) And then my next um, acknowledgement goes out to Rose Cherry. Was she was featured on uh, the Nanticoke Land episode, and I'm gonna read her email in her own words because this is something I did not specify as sharply as I could have. So, in her own words, here is Rose Cherry. Hi, we met in Delaware at Nanticoke Museum. Elder Morningstar suggested you speak with me. I listened to the podcast on your visit. Great job, very informative. Thank you, Rose, very kind of you. I would like a correction to be made on my introduction. I am not from the Shinnecock Reservation, nor do I represent them. My grandmother was Shinnecock through her mother. I am proud of that heritage and made sure to be clear as to my status and who I am and speak from that perspective of a person who is multicultural who was descended from Shinnecock who were disconnected we visited but not as integrated because of distance as a result of colonization and the push to urban areas for more opportunities so rose just wanted us to be sure to mention that she does not represent the tribe that she spoke about um, but she is very proud of her heritage thank you rose the
0: last one is from the same episode in which I feel like I might have developed a bias against Southern textbooks. We talked about critical race theory and we talked about these mint julep textbooks that were started after the Civil War that depicted slavery in a much more positive light to kind of maintain the dignity of the Southern states. And along that path, I believe I just started using the South to represent a collective viewpoint towards that goal. We received a comment like, that's not true. (laughs) The whole South did not believe that, nor do they currently believe that. And so depicting him in that way often kind of perpetuates a stereotype that the South still maintains their Confederate viewpoints and the goals of the main Confederate movers and shakers. So my apologies there as well. That goes back to that whole dichotomous language right we we sometimes fall into it without even thinking we're falling into it representing a whole region in a certain way um saying a person is simply this when they are many things um so yes Mm -hmm. we i eat my humble pie i thank you for pointing Mm -hmm. it out uh and i will grow because of it definitely like we i mean we want this to be a dialogue right like if we're like
1: quote-unquote traveling with everybody like I want you to, to tell me what you think of the episode or what you what ideas you might have or what things we didn't cover and maybe should talk about in an unpacking episode like we're doing right now. So we want that,
0: we welcome it. We're two humans trying our best. <laughs> and every comment that we get yeah. is beneficial to us. Just like every question we ask, and answer we get could be beneficial to you. So the last thing I wanted to talk about
1: I was just gonna ask, it's the end of season one. Where are we headed after this?
0: (laughs) Well, we are going to leave our clothes unpacked for a while. Um, We're gonna pack them back in our drawers and take a break in our own communities and maybe live a little life and then redirect. We're gonna just see what else is out there and
1: we'll be back. Who knows? Who knows where we'll go next?
0: I think that taking the time to kind of step back and develop those questions you want while moving forward into new travel is like a really lovely thing to do from your couch during a snowy day in winter. So <laughs> that's the plan, yes, we can Stan. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we can refocus. <laughs>
1: Yes, we're very excited and we're just very grateful for all who came along on this little trip.
0: Thanks for listening and we owe a huge thank you to all the people who let us interview them throughout the season those who invited us into their worlds into their work into their personal lives we thank you for teaching us and challenging us for helping us see a new place in the span of hours so that we could attempt to understand our world better afterwards thank you again to all our lead interviewees to christopher cox and the residents of smith island to timothy wise and tung kim to Sandra Goldmark, Faye Christoforo, and Iana Cornille, to Gail Rubin and the Friends of Woodland Cemetery, to Bobby Hughes and Christy Sweeney and Alex and John and Gilberton, to Aaron Langner and Terrell, to Chara Huesler-Bohan and TJ Henley, to Morningstar and Rose Cherry, to Chris Patrick and Bo Lusk, to Tish Galmard and Marin Hunsberger. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who shared thoughts and stories and insights we would have never discovered on our own. We are grateful and we are humble, looking forward to what we can discover as we travel more and find more awesome people like you willing to teach us along the way. This episode was written, produced, and edited by me, Melissa Wade, and Abby Newhouse. All sound effects and music not recorded by us come from Epidemic Sound. Learn more about this episode at our website, we'reherepodcast.com, and at our Instagram at we'rehere.podcast. Until next season, we're here.